Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Food Biz Whiz podcast. I am Charlie, VP of Student Success over here at Food Biz Whiz, and we are back with another episode in our series called Is It Worth It, Charlie? Uh, in this series, I help students inside our Retail Ready community think through pivotal decisions that they are about to make in their business to help them determine whether or not moving forward with that decision is worth it. Now, if you are just joining us for the first time, welcome. Uh, my name is Charlie Birkinshaw, as I said. And in addition to running my own CPG business, Element Shrub, I also support and coach our Retail Ready students inside our Retail Ready course and community. And in today's episode, I am going to be sitting down with fellow Retail Ready student Eileen McGurdy, founder of Mountain Meadow Bone Broth to help her determine whether or not she should add another skew to her lineup. So if this is a decision that you have ever struggled with or considered yourself, I am excited for you to listen in. So with that said, let's find out, is it worth it? I'm Allie Ball, former grocery buyer and retail store manager turned wholesale consultant. In my role on the retail floor, I saw delicious, values-driven brands fail on our shelves simply because they didn't understand the behind the scenes of wholesale. I created the Food Biz Whiz podcast to give you hard-to-access insight from my career in the food industry and the tools and strategies to help you succeed on retail shelves. If you're a committed food founder who's looking to create and grow a packaged products business that positively impacts our food system, puts wealth back into your own hands, and employs members of your local community, you have found the right podcast. Let's do this. This episode is brought to you by Retail Ready. Come and join us through videos and workbooks and checklists and templates, live coaching calls with Charlie and me, and daily access to us in our private online group. Retail Ready has all the tools that you need to increase your sales through wholesale accounts, whether that's in traditional brick and mortar outlets or through e-commerce platforms. Like I said, the first step to find out more about Retail Ready is to join my free masterclass on the three steps of growing your packaged food business, which I will link right here in the show notes. That hour-long webinar is jam-packed with advice that you can use to kickstart your growth right now, plus information on Retail Ready, info on my past clients, and how we can work together. Sign up via the link in my show notes, and Charlie and I will see you in Retail Ready soon. Eileen, welcome. It is great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Great to be here. Thanks, Charlie. Awesome. So uh, as I said in the introduction, uh, today we're talking about whether or not you should add another skew to your lineup. Um, but before we jump into that, uh, do you want to just give our listeners uh, an introduction, tell them about your background, tell them about Mountain Meadow Bone Broth? Sure. Um, so I am actually a uh, former academic turned uh, accidental <laughs> entrepreneur <laughs> and food entrepreneur. Um, and... I started Mountain Meadow Bone Broth uh, back in uh, 19, huh, 2018, 
because I was looking for a bone broth that was made locally or at least in the state of Montana, which is where I live, because I wanted to support, you know, local business. And I was shocked to find out that there wasn't any because I was shocked because Montana has more cows than we have people. And I couldn't understand how there couldn't be, you know, bone broth. <laughs> Uh, after I started the business, I kind of found out why it isn't the easiest product to make. But um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I started in 2018 and I just like I made 18 gallons, uh, tried it out at a farmer's market, you know, local farmer's market. I got good feedback. And then after that season was over, I guess, around September, October, I just decided to go for it. Um, and I started, uh, making it in, you know, I found a place where I could make it in bigger batches. It was a kind of complicated to find. I did. And, um, I have two, I started with two skews. So I started with a chicken bone broth and a beef bone broth. Okay. Um, and then about a year and a half after that, I added a chicken broth for pets. So I currently just okay. have the three products. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it is perfect fall weather right now uh, in Virginia where I am based. And so uh, just just talking about bone broth is kind of getting me excited for, for winter. Um, so, and I imagine, I imagine our listeners might be, might be feeling the same as well. So uh, that's, that's really, I mean, I love, I feel like a lot of people make this transition from something completely not related to food to some sort of becoming this food or, or beverage entrepreneur. I know I was, I was that way as well. So it's, it's fun to see other people out there. And I'm, I'm sure our listeners can relate to, to this, this transitional story as well. Um, so you've been, you've been with us inside retail ready for about a year now. Uh, it's, 2022, right? Uh, so, uh, so how, how have things been going, right? You, you mentioned you, again, sort of transitioning from a, a world where food entrepreneurship was not your, your background to one where now all of a sudden you're, you know, thrown into it. Um, how are things going, you know, now with, with, with everything after, after the launch and after finding the space and so, uh, yeah, the business actually is doing um, well. I like to say it's doing well because I'm in the black. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and yes. actually, I have been in the black since I started. And so I just kind of try and remind myself of that um, at, when things get challenging, you know, that I yeah. have been. Uh, because, you know, you're successful uh, if you actually make a profit, right? So yeah. um, that's been good news. But I did sort of jump in without having any idea about anything about the food business. I mean, nothing. Uh, and, and I got into it, um, you know, and I kind of learned because I made a million mistakes or I, I found some people to ask, but, you know, and then eventually I came, I, I had actually listened to the podcast kind of almost from the beginning Okay, cool. starting the business pretty, pretty close. Somehow I found it. I'm not exactly sure how. And then, um, yeah, last year I decided to join and, 
first of all, just joining felt felt like a relief because there were at, there was actually a place where I could go to ask questions that I knew somebody would respond to me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty amazing. Um, and I think the main thing that I have done this year is I have figured out how to talk to retailers and potential um, customers accounts about the product. And yeah. I've gotten, you know, I've gotten so much um, more confidence in doing that. Uh, cold calling is not fun, but <laughs> uh, that's what, you know, I can yeah. do it. I can, I, I do it because I know exactly what I have to say. Um, uh, you know, and, I, you know, often you just hear, well, send me an email, which is fine. Then I have because of retail ready, great, you know, email copy to send to these potential buyers. So I think that's the, you know, there's lots of other things, but I think that's the main thing that I've gotten both the details and the techniques of how to talk to potential buyers and also the competence. Yeah. I mean, being, being profitable and, and confident that you can go and pitch buyers, I think that's that's definitely uh, that's definitely a win there, right? So, um, okay, so let's let's bring this back to the topic for today. So things are things are going well, right? You're profitable. You've got um, two two I'll, I'll call them human skews, people skews, and then uh, one uh, one uh, dog, uh, pet skew, right? Or I is it is it specifically for dogs or is it just pets in general? Just pets, dogs and okay. cats. It's it's licensed for dogs and cats. Got it. Uh, so yeah, so then tell me how did this idea of deciding that, hey, like, I feel like we should add a new SKU to our lineup. And, and when we were talking before, you mentioned maybe adding one to, to both uh, sort of the, the people line and also the, the dog and cat line. Uh, tell, me, tell me about how that sort of at least idea came up, right? Yeah, so the pet line it actually was a request from my one of my big uh biggest um accounts which is a okay. local pet food store in Missoula. I mean I'm based in Missoula, Montana. And they are actually the 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 store that got me to add the original pet line because they they uh the owner was um buying my my broth for herself. And she's like, I want to sell this for pets. And I said, well, uh, it's not licensed for pets and it also has onions in it. So it's not good for dogs and cats. So she's like, well, make me something. (laughs) So eventually I did. So now she has asked also, and she said her customers are asking for, um, a beef. I, I make chicken for pets. So it would be a beef for pets. And then the people broth, uh, I guess it's because I, so the one that I'm thinking about adding is a mushroom broth. Okay. And um, I think it, it really came because I been watching the trends of my competitors, you know, the big, big name brands. Okay. Um, and they have all in recent years added vegan options um, oh. and mushroom, you know, being one of the most prominent ones. Um it also would be much easier to actually make and mm. probably like many people 
who are listening can relate to in the past, you know, year and a half, I've been having labor issues. So yeah. 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 No, um, um, that, that makes sense. I, I think, you know, one, I guess I'll say it's really refreshing to hear that the reason that I, this, this should maybe seem obvious, but, but the reason that you, you wanted to add another skew is because people, your, your customers were, your were demanding it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like sometimes as, as, as brand founders, owners, or, or at least the ones that are sort of responsible for creating the, the flavors and the recipes and, and all of that, sometimes, you know, we get that like shiny object syndrome where it's like, Oh, Hey, like this flavor would be fun to make. Like, let me just go make this new flavor and, uh, and, 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 and doing that without having any data to prove that it's actually a good, good idea to like send it out to the market. So, um, I, uh, I love that. So, so then, okay. So you've got a, you've got customers demanding, um, at least you have a particular retailer, it looks like who, if, if you brought on this beef pet, uh, skew, they would immediately, you know, purchase it. Right. So sort of, I'll call it like a guaranteed sale. Right. I could Uh, add, I could add Charlie that, um, I've been uh, in the spring and early summer, I pitched a lot of pet food stores um, in the greater region, you know, outside Montana. And uh, I heard uh, that um, like sort of a disappointment. Oh, you only have one. Ah, okay. Yeah. So reconfirmed what the local store was saying. That's great. And uh, can I also ask you what, what have you heard from uh, consumers? Obviously, you know, the retail buyers, you know, know who their customers are and know what they think their customers want. Um, what about, are you still doing any sort of local farmers markets or selling online or uh, selling online and having people pick up or? Yeah, I have both direct to consumer like uh, e-commerce online, as well as um, I do have uh, local subscriptions where I, um, a monthly, you know, pickup delivery thing. Okay. okay. Um, not, not, a, so I don't sell a lot of the pet broth that way. Some, but not a lot. Um, the one f- I have gotten feedback from potential customers. This is something I already knew is that, um, many dogs are actually allergic to chicken. Mm. And so customers who go looking for like, like out of the ordinary dog food, you know, um, you know, not the big name brands. Sure. Uh, uh, Sometimes often they're like going because their dog has um, health issues. And one of them is allergies and chicken uh, is a very, very common if for dogs to have allergies too. So I did get that feedback you know, customer emailed me and said, do you have anything else? Cause my dog's allergic to chicken, but I already knew that. <laughs> got it. Got it. Okay. And, and what about sort of feedback on the sort of like mushroom broth or, you know, idea for, for end consumers? So I did uh, some interviews. Oh gosh, it must've been 
over a year ago now, year and a half ago, with my subscribers. Okay. Um, and I heard and one of the things I asked was, would you like another kind flavor? And several said vegetable. Okay. Right? Okay. Not necessarily mushroom, but vegetable. Um, the only other suggestion from those interviews was a fish broth, but I can't do that because I don't have uh, access to the, the supply would be very complicated. Sure. Sure. Um, okay, great. So right, it sounds like we're going into this with, with some data of, you know, at least what types of skews make the most sense. And, and then, um, and then it's a question of, okay, well, what's it going to take to actually make this happen? Right. And, or, or not happen. Right. I, I think, you know, obviously saying no is a, is a perfectly, uh, perfectly good response as well. Um, let's talk about the financial impact of this, right? So you've got, you've got a profitable business that's already doing well. Um, you know, what, what, what would the sort of, what would you see as sort of like the opportunity cost of, um, kind of creating this new product, having potentially extra inventory of it? You have more SKUs now. Do you think this new SKU might cannibalize an old SKU? Do you think people are still going to continue to buy all three of your SKUs now? Or is it going to be okay, well, we don't want the chicken anymore. We only want the beef. Um, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, right, right. Um, hmm, it's interesting. So I probably would have some added storage uh, costs because uh, I'm already filled up in my, um, in my storage, my freezer storage. Okay. Because this is all frozen, so... Sure. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it, that makes it a little bit more complicated, you know. Um, but I, there is space at the freezer that I rent, mm -hmm. so I, I could do it. It would just add to the cost. Um, in terms of cannibalizing, I don't think so, because, um, like, Maybe a little in the pet thing because maybe some people would, you know, buy one chicken and one beef instead of just two chickens or something like that. Sure. But I, I'm wondering, I'm pretty sure it would actually open more, uh, uh, you know, give me access to a different customer or more customers that would offset any of that, at least in terms of the pet. In terms of the mushroom for people, again, I think it's a different customer. I'm sure that some customers would be like, oh, vegetable, that's good. I like that too. I want to use that. But I think a lot of people, now, I, I don't know this for sure, um, I, uh, is this kind of anecdotal and more about me, I guess, which sure. is the using broth in your cooking adds to the protein content. Mm, so, okay. uh, that, that like a lot of people 
that's one of the things they like about it, not just because it adds flavor and got it. Uh, nutrition. So a, yeah. a functional, another functional benefit. To right. It. Um, but I, you know, it's hard to say about the people. I don't think it would cannibalize it. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I th- I'm, I'm curious about the, I mean, to me, the, the pet side of it just again, and I'm talking in, in theory here more than like data, but you know, well, one, you're already making a beef broth for humans, right? For right. people, right? And so from a an efficiency perspective, right? It's just a matter of slightly tweaking a recipe that you already have and and a supply chain that you already have sort of lined up to, to make the, the beef ber- version for pets, right? That's correct. Yeah. And I already know what the recipe is. I know how to do it. You know, it's, it wouldn't be too complicated at all. Great. Right. And now with the mushrooms, right, there's, you you had mentioned, Hey, it's going to be much easier to, to do this. Right. Uh, But also right now you're, you're also having to go and it's, it's, I'll, I'll say it's maybe less efficient because now you have to go well, maybe from a less efficient from a supply chain, because now you're having to source additional mushrooms and other vegetables that you may or may not be using in your other SKUs. Now I'm saying this without asking you first, but, um, how do you, how do you feel about the, the efficiency side on the, on the, the vegetable broth? Right. So I would have to source the mushrooms and I have done a little research on it. Um, uh, I was trying also to source organic mushrooms because I would like to be able to put on that label organic. Uh, my bone broth, because I get all of my broth, my, my bones from local ranchers. They don't have the organic, um, uh, you know, they're small time operators and they don't yeah. have that. So I can't, even though it it is I can't use it on my label, but if I went, I'd have to go somewhere to get the mushrooms and I could just get source organic mushrooms and then I could put that on my label. Uh, and yeah, a little difficult to find. I, I have found a couple of places where that might work. Um, so that would be the main challenge is sourcing the mushrooms, right? Yeah. I don't have a source for it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, <clears throat> so it seems like so far, so far, I would say like it seems like the beef pet skew seems like the easiest one that you could add with with making sort of the fewest changes to your supply chain. Correct. Right. Um, cool. Okay. So we've talked about, and then you know, opportunity cost from a you know a financial perspective and a, and a time perspective as well. Right. So if, if you're keeping things efficient on the supply chain side, um, and what's the additional, I guess, cash, what are the additional cash flow requirements for having this extra skew? Um, assuming, right. The, the goal, right. Is that you continue to sell your other SKUs as well as you're selling them right now, right. As opposed to, uh, selling less of them and 
some of the, the third skew. And because, right, ultimately you want this third skew to be just as big as your, your other two skews right now, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think in terms of other opportunity costs, it would complicate a little bit the production schedule, right? Because mm. I've got to add another uh, skew in. Um, I use the summer to uh, build up inventory because I have, okay. a, a, you know, I have sort of a seven, eight months where I sell and then like three, four months or so, five months that I sell very, very little. Got it. You know, I, sell, I sell some, but, you know. Sure. Uh, so I use that time to build inventory. So right now I have huge inventory because I'm ready for Q4 and Q1. Yeah. Um, but in the long run, it complicates things because then I have to add into the production schedule. Um, and it's not, <laughs> it's not an easy thing to make. It takes me three days. Got it. Yeah. So um, that's one thing. And then in terms of cash, uh, the cash, well, the smallest sort of cash outlay would be the review processes. So I, for the pet, it's uh, it's just send it off to a lab, get the guaranteed analysis, send that into the state, pay fifty bucks, get the uh, the license for the new thing, because or um, uh, register it, because I already have a license to produce pet food, so it's not that complicated. Um, for the mushroom thing, I'd have to go through an entire state health review, because it, it's a totally different product. I'd have to have it, you know has a plan, sure. um, which would probably be very similar to the ones I have, even though it's a, you know, so in other words, there would be a time, my time invested in getting it going. Right. Yeah. Um, then, uh, in terms of the big outlay of costs, um, it's the containers. So, I have, I use, um, so my product is frozen and I use the containers that look like, uh, ice cream containers. Okay. Yep. And so I sell in 16 ounce. So it's a pint. It looks like an ice, a pint of ice cream. And, uh, one reason I did that was because I could have the entire container be the label. I print the paper right and yeah. and the everything right so it it's very it looks really good on the shelf i i get that feedback from people when i send uh sell sheets and samples I really like your packaging you know because i think it's very bright it's yeah it's, so uh, yeah uh, so um before the pandemic my supplier was fairly easy to just order 15 or I'm sorry, 500 containers, you know, which was one box. Um, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it costs a little bit more to do it that way, but you know, you could do it. The last time I ordered, which was uh, in the spring, I guess it was in order to keep my costs pretty close to what they were pre pandemic in terms of containers, I had to order 10,000. Per skew or all day? All together. 
Got it. Okay. Uh, so it's a big difference. (laughs) So I don't think, I mean, yeah. (laughs) And I had, you know, so I have this storage unit, which was, you know, didn't really have very much stuff in it. And now I barely can move in it because I have, yeah, yeah, I'm using them, but you know, it's, it's a lot. So, um, yeah. So for, Oh, oh, I should say, and they changed the minimum to 2000. Recently. Uh, yeah, very recently. Okay. So, okay. yeah. So in terms of cost, it's 10,000 that, or I pay more per unit. Got it. So, Got yeah, it. It's pretty, pretty much a lot, you know, it's enough to make a difference. And in terms of minimum, it have to be 2000. Now I could do two SKUs for 2000, I believe. I think got I, it. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, so that's a big cost outlay. Yeah. And you so said your pet and your people SKUs both use the same containers or they use different containers? No, same container, okay. same containers, three different design, three different colors for the different. Got it. You know. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, that's the main cost. And when I was talking to the owner of the pet food store here in town, because every time I bring a delivery to her, I just, I don't use a distributor for anything near like here in town. I just deliver. It's very Missoula, Montana. It's not very hard, you know? (laughs) So I just deliver it. So, uh, when I, every time I deliver to her, she's like, so what about that beef? You know, she keeps asking me, and I was talking to her about, well, the containers, you know, be difficult uh, this last time I delivered it to her. Um, and she said, well, you know, you could just buy one of those deli containers and slap a label on it and we could stick it in the freezer and see how it goes. And before I ordered, before I worked with the supplier for these printed containers, that's what I used did. When I first started, okay. that's what sure. I did. Yeah. Um, so, so that's an option. I don't think that's an option for mushroom. Got it. For people. Okay. I just don't think that stores would, they would, it would be weird. I, sure. I, it's my feeling. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, I, I, I was actually going to go in that direction of, okay, well, like if, you know, you have to buy 2000 units of this flavor. What is the the minimum viable product that you could potentially get out into the world that would uh, minimize your your risk and also uh, just give you an opportunity to, to actually just test the market? Obviously, there's some some costs associated with just the registrations, as you said. And um, but if if those costs are minimal relative to the sort of outlay of cash that you need to put out for the the actual containers, you know, it seems like the pet one in the plastic containers would work uh, at least to, you know, test it out. And then for the, the people side of it, I can see how a retailer might not be as excited to bring on like a different, uh, totally different packaging than, than the rest. But I think if, you know, if you think about your direct to consumer market, 
as a way to test the the vegetable before you even start selling it into into retail, especially if you have sort of subscriptions. Um, right, people are always looking for something new, and you know they get the same thing over and over again. So using the plastic containers for uh, your direct to consumer uh, options, or even at you know if you're doing farmers markets or if you're doing yeah, these subscriptions, I think, you know, that as an add-on could be a, a good way to test it. And then once you have enough, both like demand, excitement, and I'd say like, you know, feedback and testimonials and, you know, all of this other stuff that you can use as data to sort of sell buyers in the future, right? Um, then you can like decide to make that investment in the in in the containers. Um, but I think you know if that's what's holding you back, like that that big cost. I think you know the deli containers would be um, potentially a good option. I guess I would go back to though to even thinking about okay. Well, what about what are your brand values as well, right? I mean, just thinking out loud here, if your deli containers are 100% compostable and as a brand, let's just say one of your pillars is that you want to be sustainable and, and all of this, and then you present people with a plastic container that sort of potentially goes against those values, um, then I might reconsider that uh you know if if you think sort of consumers or retailers would say like hey like Eileen like what's what's with this plastic container um and, and if that's not the case then don't worry about it at all uh, but just again just kind of putting that in the back of your head and also for other listeners that might be thinking like oh okay well like it's easy to just like pick this other container that I can use temporarily but just again thinking about your values as a as a brand um making sure that you know, everything you're doing aligns with, with those. Right. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, well that actually brings up another issue because okay. one of my reasons for being in business, other than the fact that there should be broth made in Montana, um, because we have a lot of animals, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> is that uh, I wanted to support ranchers who use a particular kind of uh, grazing practice mm. um, that uh, builds um, so, uh, carbon in soils. It's called regenerative grazing. And so, it, you know, it's very, uh, it's a fairly new technique um, and it's um, not very common, right? It's, Sure. Not the way most grass-fed animals are raised. But so that's kind of making me say to myself, well, if I added one, the beef for the pets would be the best because it keeps with that purpose, that value. Um, You know, uh, at one time I had... entertained the idea of adding a um a skew for 
people um, of bison broth because I thought that would be kind of a unique thing for, you know, Montana and everything. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, supply is really impossible for me. So, ah, um, but, but my point being that bison uh, broth would also be in line with that idea of finding, yeah, you know, totally although it made it very difficult because uh, people who raise bison don't really use these techniques very much. And anyway, so yeah, I mean, when I talk about values, sticking with the animal-based is closer to what my business is. Yeah, and and I'll be honest, it's probably, I mean, I'm saying this mostly because you sell products that are, you know, meat-based, right? Um, like chicken and beef, that like, you probably don't have a lot of like vegetarians or vegans who are your, your customers that would be like, I I guess what I'm saying is like, if you had a vegetarian broth, right. Is it, are, are your consumers like, to me, the, the benefit there would be, okay, if I go to the store, uh, and I see now three products on the shelf, my my guess is that the vegetarian broth is not going to be purchased by a new consumer because your target audience is probably not the vegetarian right. crowd. I would I'm just guessing because you make a meat-based product, right? Yeah. And right. so, you know, the hope would be that it's sort of like an add-on to existing customers. So when they go and buy beef broth, they also buy the vegetarian, right? Because if if they buy vegetarian instead of beef, then unless, you know, the vegetarian is 50% cheaper for you and 50% more efficient and, you know, is aligned with your values and all of these other things, then there's no reason in having a skew that just completely like cannibalizes another skew. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. I'm, I'm not really sure who the customer would be for the mushroom. So that's a good point to keep that in mind that I, it might be this, I'm not sure. Um, It's curious to me because all of the national bone broth, companies have something like that and it just is i'm not really sure maybe i missed the mushroom bandwagon maybe it was like two years ago or something i don't know but i i you know i i i follow them to you know to see what they're doing and stuff and um they they've done two things in the past four years since i've been in business one is Many of them have added soups, like so a complete meal, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of thing. And the other is they've added these mushroom-based vegan options. So maybe I'm just not there and their businesses are different than mine and I don't need to uh, copy them. But it's always, you know, it's good to sort of notice what, what the competition is doing. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely good to pay attention to what they're doing. At the same time, right, we uh, we don't really know what's under the hood of of those businesses, right? We don't know we don't know how well those SKUs are performing. I think also, like, 
if these are big businesses, they probably, I mean, given, given what you told me, have millions of dollars in funding to promote these, to get them out there, to test them, to see if they work, right? And, you know, who knows, like, they might just be testing these for 12 months or 18 months to, as, a, as a project, right? And, but behind the scenes, they, they might not be doing well. We don't know, right? I'm not saying they aren't, but I'm just saying, you know, right. if, we, if we assume that everything everybody puts out there is like if the competition puts something out there that we should just kind of repeat it, like, it's, hard to, it's hard to say because, you know, we don't really know what's going on with, with them. I guess I would also ask, and because I don't know the bone broth market, obviously, as well as you do, but, you know, are, do they have three SKUs and one of them is mushroom, one is chicken, one is beef, or do they have like 20 SKUs that are, yeah. right? More uh, like 20. More like, right. yeah. So, so then, you know, they're, they're, in, I think a much different place where they're just trying to take over the entire shelf and, you know, give people every single option so that, you know, they're not buying from from somebody else and that you're just buying everything from this one one brand potentially, right? Yeah, makes sense. Uh, so, okay, so we've talked about the sort of financial impact, the opportunity cost. We've talked about, you know, what the biggest sort of cash outlay would be. Uh, we've talked about <clears throat> sort of inefficiencies, efficiencies in the supply chain. Um, we've talked about some of the certifications, right? Uh, one thing I also wanted to just sort of bring up too is when you mentioned seasonality, right? I think this is also, you know, important to think about for brands as they bring on new SKUs, whether they are seasonal products or whether their brand as a whole has a seasonal sort of life cycle, right? Let's say if you wanted to bring on this new SKU now, right? And like, I don't know how long the certification process takes, but would this be a situation where you might not get certification for a week, a month, two months? Uh, in which case, you know, if Q4 and Q1 are your best times to get out there and sell, right? Ideally, you don't want to be in a situation where, let's say, worst case, middle of Q1, you create this new SKU and you just missed your biggest mm -hmm. like time of the year from a demand perspective, right? And now it's sitting in inventory for eight months. Right. Um, that would be the case with the mushroom. Okay. Great. With the people, people broth. Yeah. And it takes, it would be a much longer process. Um, I don't have to do any sampling, but the state has, I, it's a complicated, you know, you got to fill out all the forms and blah, blah, blah. And then the state, has, yeah, it's a little complicated. With the pet broth, I probably could do it in like two weeks. You send it off to the lab. You have to get something called a guaranteed analysis, which you have to put on all pet food. Okay. And, uh, and then you send that with your intention and your label. Uh, you know, this is what I'm going to do yep. to the state and they, and you pay them $50. <laughs> and because I already have a license to sell pet food, it's not right. too complicated. I just add this with right. the new guaranteed analysis. Um, and, but 
but you're right about seasonality in the sense that I spend, well, especially now that I've been in retail ready and I have figured out how to do this, I spend like the end, the very end of Q2. So we're just wrapping up. So I spent September and I'm sorry. Yes. Wait, the end, very end of Q3. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and all of Q4, even though you're not, you know, I'm the one exception to calling stores in Q4 sure. right. uh, and Q1 I to sell. Right. Like, so get on the shelf. I try, I'm trying to get the new accounts before November 1st, right? So that yeah. everything is for, no, you know, holiday time and January, like people are going to use it. So that's where my focus is right now. So, um, and last year, I actually took what I learned about, um, about selling to retailers in, because I, I started like, about a year ago ish i guess and but i was so wrapped up in the sale you know the busy time of my year that i didn't really get to start applying it until q2 right, right. last this past year and i did it with the pet broth Got i it. kind of okay. build my chops with the pet broth because that's not seasonal right. and as things slow down in April and May, I mean, I, there actually has been a year, there was a year, two years ago, I didn't sell one item in May, not one. Okay. Right. So I spent April and May, um, pitching pet broth. Yeah. Uh, so I thinking about the timing and, um, it probably would be better if I was going to do the pet broth to do it, you know, in February, get it all set February mm -hmm. or March. Right. Uh, so that come, you know, the equinox, <laughs> people start thinking spring is coming, even though in Montana, it doesn't actually come until like May 15th. Um, uh, so I spend that time then selling the new pet broth, but you're right. For this year, it would be too late to add a skew for the people broth. Yeah, yeah. And, and given given the sort of complications of it, and I think too, you know, you know, even when we we started Element Shrub, you know, we have ten skews right now, which is a lot. But and we launched with four originally, but I submitted, you know, eight recipes when we launched, and so that. As soon as I wanted to to launch mm -hmm. that fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth skew as a way to like keep things fresh, I already had the sort of paperwork, if you will. Uh, so you know, I think if if that fifty dollar cost of registration is you know something that you can handle, feels like maybe something you could just sort of get out of the way so that once once you're registered, you can start to hit the ground running, kind of thing. Um, but also right now is a really busy season for you. And, you know, why put something else on your plate when you can focus on selling the product that you already have? Um, which I think is another sort of thing that you should think about, other brands should think about is you've got two SKUs that are doing well, right? You know, you're not bringing on this. Now, you did mention the chicken is potentially... I don't know, could be a long-term threat in terms of like, if it's, 
if, if dogs are allergic or, you know, it might not sell as well as the beef in the future, potentially. Um, but if you already have SKUs that are selling well, you know, have you done everything you can to like max out their velocity, right? In, and sort of like, if there's stores that you're supporting in Missoula, have you maxed out the velocity of your existing SKUs? Uh, and sort of like bursting at the seams, people just need more product and have to have it. You know, are there other other stores that you haven't tapped into that um, where where you could sell your existing SKUs, uh, or or is it you know maybe a combination of both? How this this could give you a a foot in the door, as you said, for for brands or for pet stores especially that um, are saying, uh, like, I'm disappointed you only have the chicken or like, I'd, I'd bring you on if you had a beef and a chicken. Um, and, you know, just thinking about, right, as I said, like, originally, I think sometimes, sometimes as founders, I know I felt this way, you know, we just want to try something new just to try something new because it's fun and it's fun to do new things. But I think at the same time, if things are working well, right, why not reinvest that time and that money uh, in, you know, what we're, what we're already doing, right? Like, I mean, even just thinking about your containers, right? If you have, especially since your containers are pre-printed, right? If you had to invest, you know, if you had to buy 2000 new containers of a new flavor, how, you know, is, and I don't know the, the financials of this, but investing in those 2000 new containers versus like increasing your production of your existing SKUs by 2000 containers and bringing that cost per container down because now you're buying twice as many, um, mm -hmm. you know, what is what does that look like, right? And um, yeah, for for you as a business and for the efficiencies and and everything else, right? Yeah, a lot to think about. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I've just like an added little thing that for some reason while you're talking reminded me of this issue. So uh, for my supply of bones the chicken is the most challenging for me mm, okay. uh, so i wouldn't mind so much losing some of the pet chicken because i could use it in the people chicken the supply okay. right yeah. um but uh in terms of i'm sorry i just lost my train of thought what you had asked the very beginning of what you were asking just a minute ago was uh something very important that i can't remember uh, i mean it was it was about you know whether or not your existing SKUs oh, are performing performing you know, well, as well right. as as well as they could possibly perform right well not surprising that i put that out of my mind because <laughs> <laughs> you know of course the answer is no uh and because there's some seasonality to what I do. Sure, sure. Um, I also feel like this is the first like broth season where I'm bringing the full knowledge from Retail Ready and mm -hmm. like have an actual plan and system for how to 
increase those sales and like you say, support the stores. Um, uh, uh, I haven't done any demos for two and a half years. Right. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to be going one, on. But yeah. yeah, I know. Uh, I'm going on a, uh, a demo tour. It's not really easy because Montana, I I'm in Montana, Idaho and Wyoming. And I mean, these are big places Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's not like I can hire a merchandiser to do it or anything like that or, a, you know, sure. somebody. Yeah. So my point is I, there's a lot I can do to sell what I currently have. Um, so that is something to consider. Do I want to put any energy into something new or should I put all of my energy and resources into supporting what I have? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough question. And I think Mm -hmm. the other thing, you know, as you, as you talk through, like, I don't know, this, this tour that you're going to go on, um, you know, also thinking about, well, if you're going on tour anyway, and, you know, demos are a great place to get feedback from people, you know, is this an opportunity to, I don't know, bring some samples and see what they think, or like, just ask them, say, Hey, we're thinking about doing this. Like, is that something you'd be interested in? Or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're, if you're going to spend this money to go out there and do the demos and and talk to the people and, and move your product, um, you know, even if it's not on the shelf, just sort of using it as a way to say, Hey, like you seem really interested in, in us. Like what, what would you think about this? Or, um, you know, and that's, that's the cheapest, like most efficient way to sort of see if, see if there's demand for your product is just sort of asking your existing audience, right? Like, is this something they, they really care about? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. So, or I, or- I, I plan on on using the demo uh, for a lot of consumer c- customer research, and this could be one of the things. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to ask you one more question here, which is okay. Well, maybe a couple more. Um, <laughs> I guess how, how are you? How are you feeling now? Now that we've talked through it, is there is there a direction that you're leaning in terms of? what you might add, whether you're going to add something or not, uh, when you might add it. And then also, if you do, I guess, whatever decision you make, how will you know that, like, it worked? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So how am I feeling? I'm leaning towards adding the beef um, for the pets and doing that in the spring. Because okay. I don't want, because it, it's not, it won't take me very long to add it. Yeah. Um, the, the lead time, you know, I could do order the labels and send off the samples to the lab at the same time and be ready in like two weeks. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm, and particularly because I've had specific customers ask me for it. Yeah. So I, I know I know I'm going to sell something. Yeah. I also have the crazy possibility, I'm not sure if I will do this or not, of because it's pet pet food, I don't have to actually make it in the um food processing facility. Ah, got it. Uh, okay. Yeah, so I could save myself a little money 
I'd also have to send my wife and dogs away for a couple of days because <laughs> because it makes a mess and it's fair. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that's kind of what I'm leaning toward, and um, in terms of how will I know if it's successful? I don't know if it sells. <laughs> I guess. I mean, what I actually take that back. I think it'd be, I'll know if it's successful if some of the pet stores that I spoke to last spring, if I contact them again and they say, oh, you have two SKUs, I'll take one of each. Yeah. Then yeah. I think then that, that'll be the key that, yes, I'm going to add accounts because of it. Great. Yeah. I, the other thing that just sort of popped into my head, I think, is is a bonus of you thinking about lot, like, like at least getting it started in the spring is that from a cash flow perspective, right? If Q4 and Q1 are your busiest seasons, then in theory, like you've sold through a bunch of your, your inventory and just financially will ha have more cash on hand to potentially invest in those containers or whatever else you need to sort of launch that new SKU as opposed to investing in it right now before your season starts and maybe not having the cash to like to do it or having it be a little more a little riskier because you haven't mm -hmm. tested it you don't know and your your cash flow is lower than it might usually be in March of 2023 correct there's definitely uh September is usually pretty tight for the cash flow yeah. as I'm, as I'm building, uh, cause I've built inventory in the summer. So I've spent a lot of money <laughs> right? and I'm waiting for the sales. They're starting to come in, you know, the, the sales are increasing already, but yeah, they're not, they're not where they're going to be in a month. Yeah. Cool. All right, Eileen. Well, I, well, one, I want you to keep us posted inside the, the Retail Ready Student Group on kind of how things are going, how the, how the tests go, um, and, and when you launch so that we can all cheer you on. And, <laughs> and then also, in the meantime, can you let people know where they can find you? Sure. It's mountainmeadowbonebroth.com. It's all one word. Okay. And uh, I'm also on Facebook, Mountain Meadow Bone Broth, and on Instagram uh, at Mountain hyphen Meadow hyphen Broth. Got it. Amazing. Uh, Eileen, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Uh, really, really enjoyed talking to you. I hope I hope it was helpful for you as well to just kind of talk through this decision out loud. I know um for for now you you and your wife do this together or it's just you no it's just me okay I, I mean i i will relate as a solo founder that you know sometimes talking to yourself out loud in the room doesn't doesn't work as well so i think having other people to talk to is is always always helpful um and uh thank you everybody for listening to this episode uh with eileen from mountain meadow bone broth uh this is the type of one-on-one -on -one coaching that we do uh exclusively inside Retail Ready. And I can't wait to hear what you thought about it. I hope this is something that you have also thought about as a brand. And I will see all of you in the Facebook group 
for a continued conversation and I will be back in your ears next month. So thanks guys and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Food Biz Whiz. If you're enjoying this podcast and the tools it gives you for growing your packaged product business, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. From one small business owner to another, I am deeply grateful for your support of this podcast, and I appreciate it when you share it with your fellow food founders, share it on social media, or leave me a review on your listening platform. Ready for more? Find out how we can work together at foodbizwiz.com. I'll see you right back here next week.